In the 21st century, the world searches for answers to the questions that really affect our lives. Does anyone know an anagram for gonad dream? To debate the topics that really matter. Star Trek is in a good place right now. Yeah, I can't agree with you on that one. And be brave enough to state the truth. Movies just don't end that way. Three men dare to face what others fear. James. Oh yeah, I, di- I didn't need that image. Jesse. Uh, I was thinking God or dog. Joash. I want Stan Lee to be the one to wield the Infinity Gauntlet and destroy Thanos. If you hunger for knowledge, if you thirst for wisdom, if you're looking for a podcast that will make all your wildest dreams come true, you've come to the wrong place. You're listening to the Anti-Matter Hour. Anyway, somebody mentioned the hook and lateral, and then uh, that uh, I don't remember how it came up, but this this football game, watching it live was like almost I, I don't want to call it like a life changing experience, but you've just never seen a game. You've seen Doug Flutie uh, end the game on a hail mary, you know, right. and, and you've seen uh, Joe Na- Joe Namath, right? Yeah. Uh, game winning one play that wins the game. You've never seen uh, two teams like slug it out like Boise State was overmatched and they played with you know heart and with intelligence and then they pulled off a trick play and then boom Oklahoma comes back and just goes straight through them and scores again and then Boise State like you know it's pulling out all the stops it's the fourth fourth downs and and you know just getting really lucky maybe it takes a penalty uh, and then they you know draw it even again and then boom Oklahoma State goes right through them again and then finally Another, you know, another trick play for a two-point conversion ends the game. Like, that's... Yeah. It's just a game that, you you know, it's ne- it's never... Nobody's ever seen the game exactly like that before and, and probably never will be surpassed in terms of its just sheer, like... It was also a David versus Goliath. I mean, Boise State is a good team. But nobody thought they were hanging with Oklahoma because they just are on different levels. Everyone, of, everyone thought of them as kind of like the wannabes, like they want to be a part of, you know, one of the major conferences, but they're never going to be. They're a, a you know, a smaller school, and yeah. Anyway, so uh, what game were you talking about there, Jesse? It was the 2007 Fiesta Bowl uh, BCS uh, college football game. Boise State versus uh, Oklahoma, and, uh, where you had quite the ending. The hook and lateral and the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, not just in, the, yeah pulled out of the bag of tricks. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, and then Ian Johnson, uh, the running back for Boise State, uh, after scoring the game-winning two-point conversion, uh, kind of flips the ball over his shoulder, runs out of the back of the end zone, and proposes to his uh, girlfriend on. On national television. What does uh, he propose? Uh, marriage, oh. uh, as a matter of fact. Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, I assume. Uh, <laughs> I thought after, after football games, uh, football players typically proposed that they would uh, go to Disney World or well, something to that effect. I thought, well, maybe Sizzler uh, first. <laughs> <laughs> or 
right, first Sizzler, then Disney World. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to Sizzler. Okay, and, what about after that? I'm going to Disney. I mean, <laughs> and then it wouldn't it also it wouldn't be uncommon for them to get married uh, at uh, uh, Sizzler. And, and let's uh, be real: if the first thing you did was go to Sizzler, the next thing you're doing is going to the hospital. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's no, they where, did. They did. That's have where all a, the salmonella. Yeah, they did have an outbreak uh, at some point, uh, probably leading to their uh, uh, their the companies. Uh, yeah, going downhill. Didn't didn't uh, didn't negatively uh, really stop Jack in the Box though. They had some of that too, and Chipotle too. Yeah, I'm sure all these brands love us, you know, talking about it. Uh, on our dinky little podcast. Look, there's there's a very easy way to fix that. If they sponsor us, then we won't talk negatively about them. Or or, or or they could just wash their hands after they go to the bathroom. <laughs> well, now, hold on just a second. Let's be reasonable now. You, you, you can't expect too much of a human being. I mean, uh, you, you work at Scissor and you have to wash your hands? I mean... I, I've never heard of anyone uh, uh, acquiring uh, E. coli or... or uh, or um, salmonella uh, from the Olive Garden. Why do you bring up the Olive Garden, Jesse? Uh, well, I believe, uh, I don't know, there's a, I, I believe they're a member of, aren't they a member of Darden Restaurants? I'm not, I'm not sure about I that. I have but, no idea. Uh, I uh, actually will be spending a lot of time at Olive Garden for the next two months. Pretty, prob- probably almost every day, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Wait, two months? That's it? Yeah. Yeah, it's a... Uh, uh, Never ending pasta pass that expires uh, on eleven twenty four. That's a contradiction. <laughs> it's true. They they do now offer uh, uh, this year. I got the never ending pasta pass. Uh, it's good for two months for uh, uh, essentially an all you can eat pasta bowl, including soup, salad, and breadsticks. Um, and they come in combinations of there's about five different pa- pasta shapes or types you can get. Uh, three or four different sauces and uh, uh, several, you can get cheese or, or meat, you know, meatballs or different things added to your, you know, chi- you know uh, grilled chicken or whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I had a pasta pass in 2017 and uh, managed to put it to pretty good use. I think I only gained 15 pounds uh, during uh, pasta season. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, pasta season. Some, somehow, <laughs> well, that's right after beer fest season. Somehow, <laughs> somehow, I missed out uh, last year, uh, but this year I was on the ball. I, I googled it around summer, which was uh, when I remembered it going uh, the previous year, and uh, managed to uh, sign up. I don't know if I could do that because I feel like I would end up like that one really fat guy on that Monty Python sketch in The Meaning of Life. Oh, Mr. Creosote. Yes. I, I, I feel like it would end up looking like that, and that would not be good. But it's pretty cool. I, I, I got a system down. Uh, um, so did he. My, <laughs> I, my, last, my last pasta pass, I uh, just would uh, slide on into the Olive Garden uh, shortly after. Well, I try to go shortly after they open uh, if it's a weekday um, because it hasn't gotten too busy yet, and it's just around early, early lunchtime. And uh, go into the bar area because, uh, yeah, a little faster service. Uh, I don't feel like, usually I'm alone because the pasta pass only covers one. And uh, um, 
I don't want to go to a table in the restaurant and be waited on at a table on one, but you can go into their bar, sit right at the bar. There's TV, you know, uh, catch up on Sports Center and uh, just uh, get your pasta bowl and get on with your day. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to trying as many different combinations of pasta, sauce, cheese, meat, different that I can. Actually, I was... Uh now, now I'm wondering if I could uh, take advantage of, of your pass in about a week and a half from now. Uh, I'm going to need to do some uh, major carb loading. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, uh, uh, happy to head on over to Olive Garden with you. Uh, uh, technically, you're supposed to display an ID that matches the pass uh, um, so that they're not transferable. Uh, I don't know if they check or not. I can't remember if they've ever checked me or not, but uh, yeah. Well, pass or, or no pass, uh, it seems like a good place for carb loading. So maybe, maybe, uh, maybe in a, uh, what is it, a week and a half or so, uh, or sometime around, uh, not this coming Friday, but the following Friday. What race is it that you're doing? I'm prepping for the Portland Marathon. Ah. So uh, I guess to change the topic to the Portland Marathon, the Portland Marathon's happening this year. Which is news because it didn't happen last year. Well, didn't the whole thing disband? The uh, c- uh, committee or company or whatever group of whatever organization is, it is that was in charge of the Portland Marathon um, was basically embezzling money and just being super corrupt. And so, yeah, it was forced to disband because they're basically a bunch of criminals. And last year, uh, there was a, uh, uh, somebody stepped in, actually, um, I hope I get her name right, Paula Larkin. Uh, she is one of the, oh, I hope I get this right too, co-owners of the Portland Running Company. She does uh, a bunch of running events called Run With Paula events. Anyway, last year, she stepped in to organize a event. Uh, I only did the half marathon. I actually don't know if there was a full or not. It was called the Portlandathon. Anyway, it was very temporary. But now the Portland Marathon is back with a new organization and a new course and new everything. And, mm. and uh, it's going to... 90% less corruption. <laughs> Le- less corruption, that's, that, that's great. Sorry. Uh, but the, looking at the course, it's going to do a much better job of shutting down the city of Portland than the last one did because this thing is running through downtown and on the east side and everywhere, and um, it's, it's got... It crosses over three bridges, one of which it crosses over the Broadway Bridge, and it goes for a little bit, and then it just turns right back around and goes right back over the Broadway Bridge. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this, this event is going to do a better job of shutting down the city of Portland mm-hmm. than the past Driver's events. Driver's delight. That's yeah. great, for, great for Uber uh, Uber surges. Might skip Uber that day, maybe. No, no, it makes the surges go up because oh. uh, drivers are lost and frustrated and... <laughs> And go home and quit and uh, leave it for the those of us who know, know what, what we're doing. doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember all three bridges. I think it's Broadway and Selwood, and then I think it might cross over the Burnside again at some point. I don't know, but um, obviously it doesn't do with the freeway bridges, but that's three out of the 12 bridges shut down. Yeah, so, that's substantial. Uh, and then a bunch of uh, surface streets. So, yeah, I think it's a good day for ride-sharing, actually. Um. But yeah, that's the that's the next race I've got, and uh, that'll be fun. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't follow a technically uh, you know accurate training plan, but I have done twelve half marathons this year, so I think 
Eh, I think I'm close enough to ready. This will be my 12th marathon, by the way. What were you trying to accomplish this year? Was it 12? Or... Well, I have four more half marathons. Uh, my goal was to do 16 half marathons because uh, I've got... This is entirely just in my own head, but uh, for several years I've been doing... I've been trying to average 10 a year. And so um, I, do, uh, I do the Dopey Challenge in January, and I've done that six times. The first five times, that half marathon, the half marathon involved in that was the 10th, 20th, 30th, and 40th, and then 50th. Last time, uh, last year, I got a little bit lazy. I thought, no, I'll just do fewer races. And so I only did three extras. So last, last time, it was my 50, 54th half marathon. Anyway, I didn't like how that felt. I felt like I wasn't running enough. So this year, I'm trying to catch up, which means doing 10 plus the six I didn't do last year. So that's 16. And I'm currently sitting at 12. Mm, that's a lot of half marathons. Yeah, 16 half marathons plus one full. Uh, that's my season of running. Um, eh, so far, so good. I've been lo- losing a little bit of weight, so it's m- m- make it made things easier for me. That's where I found it. Oh, I was just going to say, <laughs> uh, uh, no, I, 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 I had noticed. Uh, yeah. Oh, that I'd gain some? Yes. This. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, I'd also noticed that... Uh, I don't know which of us should be more insulted. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say I was gonna say that I'd found it, but you beat me to the punch. <laughs> well, you guys, just let me know which one of you wants to wait more, because I've got more to lose here. Uh, I, it doesn't I matter. Don't I'm, I'm, I'm going to find it from someplace anyway. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think I'm going to be... Um, s- Leaping at that opportunity. <laughs> Ironically, leaping would uh, probably uh, help, help with you, uh, help not you finding the weight. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, so uh, how about uh, uh, you ever do uh, during a half marathon or a marathon ever do a, a Naruto uh, run? No, because that is incredibly inefficient. <laughs> you know what isn't inefficient Doing a Naruto run while at... That was a horrible segue. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you just want to segue to the Area 51 raid. I, I think that's where Jesse was, <laughs> was headed there. I just saw the uh, absurd, uh, I don't know, sort of TV video or whatever. Uh, somebody, reporter, was reporting from the scene and the guy goes just running by like a jackass behind the, the camera. Did, did anybody else uh, see that? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I have. Stupid. I I'm, I mean, only a few hundred people showed up, and there's several. I mean, several arrests, but nothing of any. I'm both shocked and not shocked at the same time by how many people showed up. I'm both shocked and disappointed. That, I guess what what you're describing. I don't think there's a word for, but it's happening more and more these days, right. <laughs> for various reasons. Right, like uh, uh, on, mostly on one the hand, internet. Yes, on, on one hand. On one hand, I'm like, wow, that many people actually showed up for a raid on Area 51. And on the other hand, I'm like, that doesn't seem like enough compared to what I've seen on the Internet, people showing yes. up to Area 51. Shock, shocked and disappointed. Uh, yeah. Shocked, surprised, and disappointed are like daily and constant uh, when you spend any amount of time 
online. <laughs> or watching the news. Anyway, it's getting dangerously yeah, close to is. real yeah. things. So True. I personally think that uh, they should make the quote-unquote raid on Area 51 an annual event going forward. You know, yeah. just, just, yeah. just show up, you know, just... You know, get close to, but not right up to the board. You know, the fence or border for Area Fifty One, and just throw in a party with a bunch of weird stuff happening. It'll be the new Burning Man. Sure, uh, they don't need to burn things. I think the military might, you know, frown on that. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying they burn things. I'm just saying like it'll be the new hip in the desert gathering sort of thing. Oh, I've got a a, a very short. Uh, Small segue to the concept of the next Burning Man. Oh, there's there's a convention coming to Portland next year called Burning Cat. I don't. Oh yeah, yeah you mentioned that. <laughs> the uh, the board game convention. I guess it's mostly board games. It's games certainly, probably probably mostly board games. But uh, it's um, oh what's oh, what's the guy's name that's uh, that does the oatmeal comics. Um, Oh, I, the I should, oatmeal. Uh, Sorry, I, I could look. If it only up. one of us had a computer that we could. <laughs> well, I could look it up, but it's hard for me to talk and search. I see it. Look, I misspelled it. Matthew Inman. There, it is. Uh, uh, that's the guy behind the oatmeal comics, the web comics, and behind games like Exploding Kittens. Uh, he's organizing a gaming convention in Portland, Oregon, next year called Exploding Cat, which is a cross between Burning Man. And Ex- I think you mean Burning Cat, which is a cross between Burning Man and Exploding Kittens. Oh, did it? Oh, did you I? said Exploding Cat. Ex- oh, whatever. Anyway, uh, it's promised to have a gigantic cat effigy that will be set on fire at some point. We'll see. I, I can't picture where that's going to happen at the Oregon Convention Center. That's exciting. But will the cat be played by Nicolas Cage? No, that's lost. We'll pig. be shouting. What? what? Not, that's what will be shouting? Not the bees. <laughs> I lost. Not we, the bees are in my eyes. Something. You no, know, he'll be shouting something about losing his pig, won't he? Oh yeah, Nicholas Cage is doing uh, that. He's actually. I don't know if he's doing it now, but he will be filming yeah, tomorrow. He's filming in. He's actually filming in the building that the flower shop is in. Oh, that's crazy. Whoa, 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 whoa! Back up. What's happening, Jesse? Uh, there's, uh, I don't know the details of what the movie's about, but Nicolas Cage is in Portland filming a movie for some. I don't know what he's, it's for. He's a, he's a he's a uh, he's a. Tr- I don't he's know a, if it's for he, Netflix or what. But. He's a he far, he collects mushrooms using a pig, and the pig goes missing, and so he has to go search for it. I think is kind of the general premise. Yeah, I think it's. I thought it was somebody said it was called Pig, but I don't know. I don't what. know if it's called Pig, but it's it's about a pig. I yeah. It's about a missing pig. Anyway, it's been on the news around Portland and social media. Uh, Laura texted me and said that he's filming in the lad tomorrow, which is the building that the flower shop's in. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, Nicholas Cage to star in a Portland-based movie about a mushroom. No. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Oh, it is called Pig. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. Here, scroll up a little bit, Jamie. Tells the story of a solitary Oregon truffle hunter. Oh, truffle hunter. That yeah. makes sense. Who loses his beloved pig. Yeah, that's what it is. 
When his beloved foraging pig is kidnapped, he must journey into Portland and his long abandoned past to recover. <laughs> what, what, that's what I want to know is what is his what, long abandoned past in what, Portland? What uh, is more, what, what, what could be more Portland than having your pig kidnapped? Well, I think that's the whole point is that because he, he, he he, he, he's an Oregon truffle hunter, which means it's rural Oregon, which is very different than Portland. Mm, it's, it's rural, but it's not like remote. I mean, uh, the, the Mount Hood National Forest is where people go mushroom foraging routine, like all the time. I think, I think his character is like somewhere in Southern Oregon or oh, something that, like that. Well, that too, yeah. The, that's, that's true. I don't need to know anything else about this film. I am going to see it when it comes out. Yeah. I hope the premiere is in Portland so that I can see Nicolas Cage. Since we're, uh, yeah, that's... <laughs> Do you want to we, uh, you know, risk either shaking hands or getting punched in the face by Nicolas Cage? I'd risk shaking hands, but not getting punched in the face. Well, I've never met Nicolas Cage, but based on his movies, um, he's either going to shake her hand or punch you in the face, one or the other. <laughs> no, that's only if he's acting. You don't oh. think he'd be acting when he, when he meets his fans? That's a good point. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to see. A, B, C, <laughs> D, E, F, G. <laughs> uh... No, I, I'm not kidding though. I I, I want to see this movie. I could eat a peach. For so, hours. Um, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> I wish I had. I wish I had a list of uh, Nicolas Cage phrases. Because, Would you like uh, to suck on my tongue? He took my face off. Jesus. <laughs> 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 oh, I am Kaiser Sose. No, that's not what he says. What do he say? What's the name of the bad guy in Face Off? It's Xander or something or other. Uh, uh, Xander Cage or something. Yeah, or, uh, yeah. He, you know, or Xander Kane or something. I could look it uh, up, but I'm, it's, not, I'm uh, not gonna. Okay. Let's just guess. Xander, something. The uh, the thing that I the thing that I appreciate about Nicolas Cage is that he never phones it in on a movie. You'll never see, even if it's. You know, it, regardless it's of what, absurd. whatever whatever it is that he's doing, he will always give it the full Nicolas oh. Cage. Oh, that was, that was close. It was Caster Troy. Caster Troy. <laughs> I am Caster Troy. That's what he says. You ever see Snake Eyes? The worst character names of any movie I've ever, ever heard of in, in that movie, uh, Face Off. I have not seen Snake Eyes. It's got uh, Nicolas Cage and Gary Sinise in it. Who are the... Who are the other top build uh, characters in uh, Face Off? Sean Travolta is Sean Archer, and uh, the other main character is Troy uh, Pollux Troy. Oh, that's Castor's brother. Right. Yeah, little nerdy guy. Well, yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's terrible. I don't know how that movie has such a high. Because he took his face rating off. Because you have John Travolta being John Travolta. And Nicolas Cage being Nicolas Cage. And then you have John Travolta being Nicolas Cage. Oh. And Nicolas Cage being John Travolta. <laughs> so, so they take the average rating of one of their movies exactly. and multiply it by four yeah. to get to 7.3 <laughs> stars. It's the power of Wicker Man multiplied by the power of um, Battlefield Earth. Exactly. <laughs> It's just simple math. Yes. H- have you guys heard of the uh, number neighbor uh, 
social media kind of craze going on. Yeah, in that's, that's one of the dumbest. I mean, every time I see the the newest internet craze, I think, oh, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I have not heard of this. What is this? Oh, okay. so, so you have a phone number, right? right. Yeah. Well, add one to it. Okay. Or to delete one. Or, or, or d- minus d- one it, to right. it. And then Send text, a text that message. number. And say, hello, I'm your number neighbor. And then if they text you back, then you go, well, we've got a connection. You know, and say, uh, so uh, the only way I heard of it was... Uh, there's a meme floating around social media, and it goes like this. There's a uh, text box from like a text message thread that says uh, from the first person, Hi, number neighbor. Thank the Lord you have an iPhone because it shows that they're like on iMessage or whatever. Yeah, yeah it's blue. And then it comes back from the person, uh, Hey, uh, and then that's the second person says that. The first person says, What's your name? The second person says, America's ass. And then the first person says, O-M-G-F-L-M-A-F-A-O, you know, like a roll on the floor, R-O-F-L, I love Marvel. And then it says from the second person, LOL, FaceTime me. Okay. And it's a FaceTime between the first person and the second person is Chris Evans. I think that's. I thought it was hilarious, though. I mean, it it seems to be an honest, like true sort of story. I didn't, don't. I don't see there anybody. Just an article saying it was debunked or something like see, that. I didn't see that. Let, let's just let it become one of those uh, myths of the internet and just let it be. Yeah. Anyway, I thought that was kind of funny. I don't think uh, there's a very good chance that in my five hundred three area code, I have a number neighbor of any uh, import. I'll tell you what, uh, the uh, spam callers like to call with a phone number that's very close to mine. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, th- this sounds like a really good way for spammers to like infiltrate. Why does every one of my number neighbors uh, uh, trying to steal my identity? <laughs> <laughs> my number neighbor wants my credit card number. Yeah. My number neighbor said that they're hot and found my profile and they want to meet up. Next thing, you, <laughs> next thing you know, people will be posting their credit card numbers, trying to find their credit card neighbor on online or something. Yeah. <laughs> Have you guys uh, heard of a Screen X theater? No, no. It's uh, it came across my uh, Facebook uh, uh, feed the other day, and apparently they're in several major cities around the world, and some in North America, and they are essentially like. Immersive, not quite exactly like an Omnimax, like a the curved screen theater. Is it the one that's got the the two yeah. screens on either side? Yes, yeah, so it wraps oh, okay. around like 180 degrees. Um, and the there must be some sort of algorithm in the projector or something that they have mostly a static image on the side that sort of blends into the whatever's at the edge of the main screen. But then action on the main screen will slightly carry on to the side screen. But it doesn't, it doesn't have like full live action all in 180 degrees. It's, it's mostly like in the center still. I don't know if that makes sense or not. No, I, I know what you're saying. Basically, it's... Uh, it's sort of ambient almost. Right. It's meant to make you feel like you're more in the space, I guess. Yeah. And uh, there's a movie coming up uh there's a few movies on it right now one of them is apparently like a shark documentary or something and 
but uh, they've they've had C- Captain Marvel was available in this format, uh, um, hmm. and uh, uh, I guess we have a Screen X theater here in town. Uh, I think it's at Clackamas. It's a Regal one, right? Isn't it? Yeah, it's a uh, Regal. Uh, um, is it Clackamas or Bridgeport? Uh, I don't know why. I, I don't, don't remember. know. But oh, it's looks Bridgeport. Like it's Bridgeport. Oh, Bridgeport. Yeah. So anyway, uh, it's. I was just curious if uh, anybody else had heard of that or considered. I, I didn't know what it was called, but I remember receiving an email about it from Fandango. I think. Uh, yeah. Now, which movie is actually using this screen X? When I had seen it, I it broke was, something. It was on my. It was on my Facebook and. Uh, Screen X at Regal Bridgeport. Well, that's the link I followed, but I can't seem to... It doesn't indicate what movies are being shown. Yeah. uh, Maybe Aquaman. No, that's an old one. Oh, well. Um, Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey. No, it it seemed like it was a... uh, Maybe it's not shown on the Fandango site. It seemed like it was a... uh, shark documentary or something like that. But uh, anyway, it seemed like uh, something that we might want to try seeing a movie on sometime. If it's yeah, a feature, feature film. I don't know. Uh, earlier this year, we talked about how much we loved the, the new hotness in Portland, which was Studio One Theaters, because they you know have really great seating and you know, good drinks. Yeah, it's bespoke. Food, bespoke, yeah. I, I don't see them doing that anytime soon. Um, but we can, if we find a theater that does this, uh, we can give it a shot. I have no idea what the next upcoming uh, theatrical release I want to see in the theaters is. Star Wars. Is that the next one? Yeah, it's only it's only a few months away, I guess. So yeah, probably Star Wars. But um, I don't know where I want to see Star Wars to be honest. Uh, Studio One, one of the big theaters with the IMAX screens. Yeah, I, I, I think both for me. Uh, for me, the screen isn't quite as important as the sound. I mean, because the screen, even in a smaller theater, it's a huge screen, and with the lights off, it's it's pretty immersive. Uh, well, there's an element to seeing a movie like Episode um, Nine of Star Wars, and that is. Audience size, yeah. Because yeah. I remember seeing episode seven in theaters, and we had to sit basically in the front row of a massive theater, and man, oh man, did that audience really contribute to that movie? I mean, yeah. When the Lucasfilm or or the Fox or whatever it was That's logo true. appeared, yeah. everybody started cheering. When it said once a, uh, a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, everybody started cheering again. And right. then when when the crawl happens, everyone starts cheering yeah. again. Actually, and, and then during the movie, when uh, uh, Ray and um, Finn are uh, running away and and saying, "Oh, I guess the Junker is good," and it's revealed that it's the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, everybody starts cheering. Yeah, that's an element that would be missed in a boutique theater like that's Studio true. One. Yeah. So I, I'm a little bit torn on whether I want to see it in a small or a large theater. Basically, true. Also, uh, I guess that's the one case where. The having the huge screen actually with the 
this the crawl of the words is actually a little bit of a neat experience. Uh, I mean, the screen size doesn't really in- influence my enjoyment of actually watching the film, but having that huge like it looks like the words are just crawling and they're just huge like that. That is kind of a neat uh, sort of effect. It's another excuse to sit really close to the screen because, again, episode seven, we were like front or, or, or first or second row of the theater. And uh, I, don't, I don't remember that being a problem. I was fully immersed in that screen in that movie the entire time. I had a great time. I kind of want to do that again for episode nine. Uh, just so that I'm not distracted by other people in the theater. I just want I just want to see the screen, and that's it. I don't care if I have to look side to side to see the entire screen because I'm so close. I just I just want to see the movie. I want to. Uh, I'm sorry. Episode nine is sort of like the culmination of a of a geek journey. Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of. I mean, it's it's a, it's a bit like um, uh, Endgame. In a way, I mean, uh, Star Wars started before I was born. Right. But I have a deep connection to it. You and I, Josh, saw all three of the original movies when they were re-released in theaters and the day they came out. Yes, and then we also did the special editions, I think. Yes, we did that. I remember we were in high school. I think we were in high school at the time of the re-release, and we basically like got it right out of school and went straight to the movie theater. Yep. Each... Uh, I forget how far apart they were, like a few months apart. Yeah. And we went to do that, and I collected some of the action figures. You had some of the action figures. I think Aaron had some of the action figures, too. Uh, so episode nine just feels like I got to do it right. Right. And I have to figure out what that means before, before it comes. Oh, I should probably look into, are tickets available yet? I don't think so. I hope not, because I haven't bought them yet. I don't think so. I need to make sure that I get tickets because I'm going to see that in theaters at least twice, if not more. Yeah. Two times good for me. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be doing it at least twice, once with you guys and then once with my family. Yeah, you want to see it with your uh, kids, specifically your eldest child, because you've been seeing a lot of geeky movies together. Yeah, although actually for Star Wars, it's my middle child, Lydia. Right. That's the huge Star Wars fan. Okay. Darth Vader, when she was six years old, maybe five, I started watching the Star Wars movies with my kids. She saw Darth Vader and said, that's my husband. <laughs> uh, which, that- I was like, which I was like, yes, wait. <laughs> that's concerning. That's although, a- although, specifically Darth Vader with his helmet on. Well, right. No, I'm saying like when he took it off, she's like, I, I like him better with his helmet on. Did you show her the prequels? No. Okay. I'm not a monster. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's... did I did I show them what? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, that's right. It's episode. For some reason, the whole thing started with episode four. Yeah. Uh, weird. Yeah. Weird. I don't know why that is, but whatever. What do you think, uh, Jesse? Uh, how excited are you for episode nine? Since we're talking about uh, it, pretty excited. I mean, uh, definitely gonna see it uh, multiple times. Probably, uh, probably bring the kids at least you know to one of the showings. Uh, probably uh, watch it at home several times after it starts uh, streaming. Have you shown your kids the prequels? Oh, I don't think so. Okay. No, uh, I don't. Uh, 
don't think they'd be interested. I mean, uh, other than going to the theater, they're not really that into watching movies at home. Like, it's just not something they really like to do. Yeah, they're the current generation, so movies are probably too long for their attention spans. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be good, though. I'm, I'm excited uh, to be moving on from the Skywalker saga onto whatever else they're going to be doing with Star Wars, which apparently they have many, many more movies in the planning. I mean, I, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if Star Wars would mean the same thing to me when it's not a, you know, about the Skywalker thing. Yeah, I mean, so I'm the thing that I'm really anticipating. I mean, I'm definitely anticipating Episode Nine. Absolutely. The other thing I'm really anticipating is the Mandalorian. Now, is that set in the era of the original trilogy? I can't remember. I know that it has nothing to do with, as far as I understand it, it has nothing to do with the Skywalker saga. Like, no, it's not it's about that a, at all. It's just a, the bounty hunter guy. Yeah. Uh, um, so I can't, I don't, re- I don't know what time period it's th- set I, in. That's a good question. I, I might be wrong, but I think it's supposed to be, in theory, like the episodes one, two, slash three uh but that that might be incorrect. My guess is because Disney has built two Star Wars lands in their theme parks based off of the current trilogy, that the Mandalorian is set in the current trilogy era. Yeah, that could be. So it's good. it's set five years after the events of Return of the Jedi. Oh, so that's so roughly in beto- correct. In between the two, then. Yeah, and it's 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 not focused on anything having to do with what happens in the New Republic and. And stuff like that, but they're leaving themselves open to perhaps future get into that era if they felt like it was advantageous, aka if there was money in it. Yeah, I really hope they don't because the last thing I want them to do is to try to shoehorn some sort of like, oh, and then he meets up with uh, here's a hypothetical Luke Skywalker for you. or something like that. Here's a hypothetical for you: if Disney did a uh, TV series, whether it was The Mandalorian or something else. And Mark Hamill showed up. What would you think about that? Boy, it, it, it would be, it would be a, a big risk because I feel like it could go wrong in so many more ways than it could go right. Well, I don't think it's going to happen because I feel Disney... I mean, Disney knows how to make money. And it's, it's to their advantage to look to the future. Yeah. And look to the next cast... And um, I have no idea what their plans are, right? Uh, but I'm guessing they're just looking to new actors to play new roles in new storylines. Yeah, and that's smart because yeah. they should just basically lock in place all the you know past storylines, all the legacy stuff, and just let those of us who grew up with it just in- enjoy it and sort of in like in a vacuum and yeah, let the new generation have their own separate thing. Yeah, I think I think that's. Absolutely. I'm hoping that that's kind of what they do. And I'm hoping, I just, from what I have seen, which is little, and very, like, purpose, like, they've purposely put it together in this way. But just who's involved in what I've seen, it seems like something very different than what the Skywalker saga was. It seems a, a much more kind of a Clint Eastwood sort of, uh, Dirty Harry style of of thing, as opposed to this kind of 
quasi-spiritual, like, good and evil battling each other sort of thing that, that Star Wars has been up to now. That's one of the things I like about Star Wars, is that, yeah, there's this whole spiritual good and evil thing going on between the Jedi and the Sith, but the universe has also shown that there's a heck of a lot else going on there. Yeah. With the quote-unquote average Joe person who doesn't have force sensitivity, just doing their own thing. And it's not the focus of the movies at all, but I like how it's still shown in the movies, especially the, the, the two newest ones. You see some of this other stuff going on in the universe besides all the force, you know, the people using the force, all the main characters. And, right. Uh, that's one of the things that makes Star Wars so great is that there's just there's other stuff happening in the midst of all the main stuff happening. Right. You've got, you've got, and and in some of these places, they don't really know about all the all the main stuff that happens in the main story. Yeah, there's a lot of backwater area. In fact, most of Star Wars happens in these backwater areas that are just sort of insulated from. Yeah, how many desert planets are there? At least two. Most, <laughs> most, I think. I just want to see in some uh, Star Wars movie, uh, just uh, average everyday sort of Joe Schmo going to his nine-to-five office job and then, uh, you know, being called on his way home to stop at the grocery store to pick up something. Uh, I want a Star Wars sitcom. Right. Like, wh- why don't they... it with a where, laugh track. Where, where, in, where in every, in any Star Wars movie, uh, is there uh, even a, uh, even in the background of a scene uh, of anybody just, Going about their business. Have you seen the Christmas special? No, 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 no. Let's not discuss that. Have you seen <laughs> Robot Chicken? N- not the not in this uh, context. Robot Chicken has done a bunch of Star Wars sketches. Yeah, including a bunch of like like there was one where a stormtrooper t- uh, went to work on Take Her Daughter to Work Day, <laughs> <laughs> and it involves him taking her to the scene where Darth Vader is trying to recover. The plans of the Death Star, like the right. opening of Star Wars, yeah. like she's involved in that. One of my favorites is uh, when uh, it's Emperor Palpatine, and he's having kind of like this government meeting sort of thing, and then he gets a call from Darth Vader saying that the second Death Star, no, the first Death Star, well, well is it the first one or the second one? Uh, I think it's the first one. But yeah. do you remember how uh, Palpatine answered the phone in that scene? No. <laughs> I can't remember. Is he it? answers the phone for go for Papa Palpatine. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it is so it's so funny because he's like he's like he's like what he blew up and then and then he's like talking to Darth Vader and then he he's looking at the other guys and he's making actually <laughs> a jerk uh, off motion and then he says uh, and he says oh great now he's crying and then <laughs> <laughs> actually there's a show called imaginary worlds where the uh, guy uh, who does the show um theorizes and explores what it would be like for like a uh, imperial plumber who has to go to work on the death star like his job's just he's a plumber like right <laughs> and because the death star is the size of a small planet with you know, somewhere on the order of tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of employees working on it, and most—I would say millions. Most of whom, most of whom, it's the size of a small moon. Yeah, mo- most of whom are not military, like active military. Right. Uh, so there they're has like, to be just, somebody who get, you know has to go unplug toilets and and clear clogged drains. And, yeah, uh, like and, the, the the majority of the people on there would have to be infrastructure. 
Yeah. You don't think they would have invented a droid for that purpose? Did no. you see the trash compactor? <laughs> Do you think they'd really let something like that happen if it was a droid? That actually raises a very good point. Why would the Empire build a space station the size of a small moon and allow some mystery creature to live in their trash compactor like that? There was an entire oversight. There was an entire. There was a short story in a recent uh, Star Wars book that was dedicated to that creature, and how apparently it was some mystical, force-sensitive creature that wasn't trying to drown Luke Force Skywalker. Force-sensitive. Okay. I am not joking <laughs> at all. Okay. Since Disney bought Star Wars, is that canon or is that expanded? No, that's canon because it was recent. Okay. Interesting. So it was going after Luke because of the Force sensitivity. Yes. It was trying to warn him about something. It wasn't trying to kill him. And I, 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 I hate that. Yes. I, it, it, that, is, that is childhood ruining right there. I don't hate the author because they probably were told what they had to write or something like that. But the fact that that made it into the book, I hate that. It's it's over explaining things that don't need an explanation. It's adding to it, it. It's it's look. People need to look at what happened with George Lucas and the original Star Wars trilogy and the special editions and realize that no, there is such a thing as finishing a painting. Apparently, George Lucas does not like the direction Disney has taken with the new trilogy. I don't think George Lucas has any legs to stand on anymore. No. Uh, in terms of story, no. I mean, uh, in terms of just simply creating one-off characters when, uh, you know, taken as a two-dimensional... Right. Like for, like, for the purposes of making an action figure for, sure, great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but in terms of connecting those characters into a narrative that makes any kind of sense that doesn't upset an entire generation of people? No, not really. I, so... <sighs> Like, I feel bad for George Lucas on one hand, because... You really shouldn't. Well, well I, I, I do in the sense that I feel, like, I feel like a lot of people have forgotten that he, that he did Star Wars and how difficult it was to do Star Wars and what it led to, not just in its own right, but also what it led to as far as the advancement of movie making, visual effects, sound editing... I mean, the fact that Star Wars is as good as it is has every bit to do with the music and the sound as it does to, with, with anything else. And the sound came first. I mean, THX 1138. Yeah. That whole thing was like the beginning of everything. Right. So I feel like none of people remember that George Lucas. Everyone remembers the George Lucas that came after that. And, and, and anyway... Misa, Jar Jar Binks. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Shut up. Oh, my God. No, I, I don't mean, even. I don't even know what he says. I just, uh, <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to. Anyway, I, 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 I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. It's oh, I think that was a, supposed to be uh, banned from the podcast, it's right? Su- it's such a double-edged... I don't think that counts as serious talk. So, <laughs> no, I think a previous podcast. Uh, I think Joe yeah, did the I, voice, I and, you, that and, and you, you admonished him never yeah. to do it again, or something to that effect. Oh yes, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I just, I don't know it. Yes, <laughs> I'm. I'm going to move on because because that that I, I'm I'm ready to jump off a cliff. Suffice it to that. say, episode nine. I'd say it has a lot hanging on it. I th- yeah. I'd say it has, uh, I mean, 
Episode eight. Let's be honest. Not the greatest Star Wars film. Yeah, no. Some some Star Wars fans. Um, I'm, I'm not including myself in this, but I have heard from some sort of quadrants of the fandom that you know a, a not insignificant percentage were considering jumping ship or abandoning ship. Well, uh, it's so hard when you after you create recent developments. Yeah, you create multiple big mysteries in episode seven. And then the director of episode eight just basically takes them all and tosses of them, tosses it over his shoulder. Like Mark Hamill, like Luke Skywalker tossing his lightsaber over his shoulder. I don't mind that. What I mind is, Oh, nobody, uh, Oh, the background of Snoke and Ray. That's what I'm talking <laughs> Not about. Not important. Those mysteries. Right. And, and, and discarding them and discarding yeah. them. Like Luke Skywalker discarded his lightsaber. I will raise this point though, is that, Every single Star Wars movie has not been created uh, with the intention of filling in all the blanks. It's always yeah. it's always meant to ask more question than it, questions than it answers. Yeah, it's always meant to reveal more about the world uh, without like solving all the problems. That's what the books and comics and just everybody's imagination is for. That's not a defense of Episode Eight necessarily. It's just. Just bear that in mind, right? I do think there are a couple. There are a couple of scenes specifically in Episode Eight that really I think were nailed really well. One of them was when Yoda and Luke are talking. The fact that they they had puppet Yoda instead of CG Yoda, yeah, that was great. Well, just the part where Yoda just burns the tree down with lightning and starts laughing like he <laughs> was that crazy person at the beginning of <laughs> The Empire Strikes Back, and then the. The end scene with um, with Luke and uh, Kylo, I really liked that whole thing. Yeah, that was cool. I have to admit, when I saw it in the theaters, I was like, okay, yeah, this is going to be really good. And it didn't quite live up to what I was expecting to happen. But then after the movie, some time has passed, and I thought about it, and I realized that actually is pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it isn't good from the sense of fan service and super action movie, whatever. That, if they had done that, I'm sure it would have impressed us while we watched it. Yeah. But afterwards, after we thought about it, I think it would have seemed super shallow if they had done the super fan service stuff. Right. What they did, I felt, created more depth for uh, Luke Skywalker than the entire movie up to that point. Yeah. And I think I think it's what leads into what's going to happen in episode eight because I strongly believe we're going to be seeing Force Ghost Luke in episode eight. I'm hoping for Force Ghost Palpatine as well. Hmm. I man, that would be crazy. Here's what I hope: the, the number one thing I hope does not happen: Force Ghost. Hayden Christensen. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> oh, I was about to say Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> oh. Anyway, uh, uh. oh, did you have you guys seen the um, the twenty three movie box set that Disney's putting out called the the Infinity Saga? No, but it makes sense. No, because I don't. Uh, with the considering that I haven't really bought physical, physical. disc based media for a long time, and yeah. because Disney Plus is coming out yeah. in a couple months. 
I don't really give a crap about box sets anymore. The only reason you would is because they're putting in all these like special features and stuff like that. So if you were someone that was into that sort of thing, that would be the reason to get it. Yeah, I used to be into special features. I was I I've probably watched the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, the 50 million hours of yep. audio tracks for like each disc coming with like 16 alternate tracks like of feature length tracks. Exactly. Like, yeah, I, I've done that too. Those are uh, all great, but yeah, in general, I just don't care about that these days. Yeah, I, I think I think the Lord of the Rings was kind of like that was the peak of that bonus feature DVD sort of thing. Well, really. because there was so much, uh, even even given the depth of the MC, the the texture and and uh, how much details in the MCU not a single one of the movies is as researched and and produced and contains as much craft and craftsmanship and and how much of the creators have put themselves into it as yeah. any of the Lord of the Rings movies yeah definitely I think I think it's very fair to say that the MCU is va- is is it's, vast and broad, it's and has, bigger. It's it's it's, yeah. it's it has fine, you know. It's it's a it. They're they're fine movies. It's hit its stride. <laughs> yeah, but I I don't. But uh, the Lord of the Rings, from the author to those who worked on the movie, what a workshop to the actors. It's a, it's a pinnacle of movie making. Yeah, it is. So I I think I think that's why it is. But after that, at least for me, after that whole thing, I never really cared about special features. Again, I mean, uh, you expect a, a physical release of a movie to include some deleted scenes, right? But then, uh, like the the uh, commentary track with the director and whatever, I don't care. Um, the ones that I really care about are the ones that I saw in the past when I was a kid, before actually, before all the documentary stuff, because we don't know like really what went on. That's right. I think it's probably a, a, a symptom or due to. Because with current, you know, social media and all the content, all the stuff that you learn from listening to one of those alternate tracks is already out there in the zeitgeist. With yeah, because they've done an interview or they've got a posted a video to their Instagram or you know already uh, it's already out there. Like the one, like the one bonus feature or commentary track that I would really like to to watch is the one of the Goonies, where it has the entire original cast. You know, is that from the anniversary edition? Yeah, yeah. Like twenty or thirty some odd years later, sitting down and watching the movie and talking about filming it and stuff like that. Because to me, I think that would be fascinating. Because there's so much, like you're talking about, Jesse, that has not been entered into the zeitgeist that we don't know about. Right. And, and it's something from our from when we were kids it's and all, they were kids. It's all back and, catalog. Yeah, exactly. This is a bit of a segue, but that uh, that's one of the reasons why I went at the uh, recent Comic Con I went to. The Rose City Comic Con, they had three of the actors from The Princess Bride there. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to get their names perfectly correct, but Wallace Shawn, Carrie Elwes, and his last name is Sarandon. Is it Brian Sarandon? I think that sounds right. Something Sarandon. Yeah, he played Prince Humberdink. Anyway, uh, they had Wallace Shawn out there by himself doing Q&A for about 15 minutes, and then he left, and then they had Carrie Elwes and Sarandon come out there to do Q&A for a while, and... It's like what we were talking about. It's I was interested because I hadn't really even thought much about Princess Bride for a long time, but it is 
one of my top ten f- probably favorite movies. Yeah. And hearing that these actors talk about it, you know, so far after the fact was just super interesting. Although, uh, conversation strayed, obviously, because, uh, like, for example, Wallace Shawn played a character, the Grand Negus, in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Right. <laughs> and so a lot of questions were about that. And uh, Carrie Elwes was in the Saw franchise, yeah. obviously. And, uh, and then uh, I didn't know that uh, Sarandon, I, I really apologize for not getting his first name, but... Uh, he was the voice of Jack in Jack Skellington in the uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So uh, a lot of did questions. he do the singing as well, or did they say that? I don't know that, but he's credited as the voice of Jack Skellington in Crazy. Reading, so. I didn't know that. And uh, anyway, uh, Wallace Shawn told some some interesting. Um, I mean, I don't want to disparage him because he's a great guy, but quote unquote old man stories. <laughs> he, he spun some yarns. <laughs> he did. Uh, he talked about uh, the fact that uh, he'd written a lot of plays, which I had no idea he did. Uh, but then yeah, somebody asked him about what he thought about um, uh, Andre. Oh, yeah. And uh, actually, it was Carrie Elwes that had the funniest anecdote about Andre the Giant. Is, uh, that apparently one, on one of the early days of shooting, he let out a fart that lasted about 16 seconds. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a large colon. And caused the director... Um, uh, oh, famous director... Um, I forget, Oh, shoot. Anyway, it uh, caused him to ask uh, Andre if, um, if he was all right. But apparently, according to Carrie Elwes... After after that fart, this, the whole set was silent for the longest time. People didn't know what to do. <laughs> oh, good lord! Yeah, <laughs> that's. Uh... But that connects to your point, Josh. Where uh, when it comes to like commentary tracks on movies, I'm more interested in movies that I saw a long time ago rather than movies I've seen recently because I feel like when movies come out nowadays, especially the big movies, the blockbusters. Yeah, you see them read. everywhere. You're just saturated with information about the movie. And I'm more interested in learning more about stuff that happened in, in the past that wasn't so saturated at the time. Yeah. Rob Reiner is who you're Rob Reiner, about. that's the guy. Yes, of course, Rob Reiner. Yes. So had, uh, I'm sure you guys have heard about the fact that there's mumblings about there being a remake of The Princess Bride. It won't happen. Did you see Carrie Louise's tweet? On the subject, it's about making a perfect movie. Yeah, uh, he said there. There's been there's a shortage of perfect movies in this <laughs> world. It'd be a shame to ruin this one. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's classic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. No reason to. I, no reason to. Honestly, that to me that is one of those like kind of perfect movies. You could just save some money and put it, uh, re-release it in a theater. Seriously, <laughs> seriously, you could do that, and people would pay to go see it. In fact, in fact, there's something like that going on at the previously mentioned Studio One theaters. They've been doing a, a vintage movie uh, mar- uh, sort of series. Uh, the Studio One, but also from time to time, Hollywood Theater does older yeah. movies. Hollywood Theater being uh, an older theater for which the Hollywood District in Portland, Oregon, is named after. Yes. And I have three of their original movie theater seats over behind you, Josh. Yeah, I sat in one. It's comfortable. Um, real quick, I just wanted to mention about Princess Bride. One of the things that I learned uh, going to the, the, the talk during the Comic-Con, you know the fight scene between the man in black and um, Mandy Patinkin's character? Yeah. The Spaniard. Yeah. 
apparently they filmed that like in one day. Apparently it was really fast. Wow. And apparently the original plan for it, according to Carrie Elwes, was uh, too short for Rob Reiner's taste, and they needed to extend it. So, like all like on the spot, they sort of improvised the, the, the tail end of it when uh, he does the thing with the um, oh, where he does the 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 acrobatics flip on the. Apparently, that was improvised and done all like last minute, just to tack on an extra thirty seconds of. Was that all Carrie Elwes? Apparently. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. Uh, but apparently, it was like lightning fast. They didn't spend like a week filming that scene. It was just like one day. And bam, it was done. <laughs> What's crazy to me is that it is... This keeps the cameras rolling, boys. That's Basically. Like, that's <laughs> like... <laughs> they had two cameras. Yeah. Kind of like, we're going to mess, just mess around a little bit, and then we'll just cut it, you know, cut out what we don't like. And that's considered, like, one of the best uh, choreographed sword fighting scenes ever. Well, I don't think anyone ever thought that... Yes, I agree with you. In terms of choreogra- choreography, yes, I, I think so. Yeah. Like, they were trained by a well-known... Oh, uh, he, he told a story about how, like, so many people in this movie, like the costume designer and the horse handler were like... Like, I think somebody, uh, either the costume designer or somebody else was uh, worked on the Lawrence of Arabia Yeah. before this movie. And so they had, like, super high-quality yeah. ex- levels of experience. Yeah, like, the, <laughs> the, the guy who choreographed the sword fighting, I think he's, he is, like, one of the, one of the oldest and best... Uh, like fencers or sword fighters in Hollywood. Something like that. So that movie, despite how it may seem on the surface, has a tremendous amount of depth into it. Yeah. Which is, I think, why uh, uh, Carrie Elwes commented about it. It took about 10 years, but it became a hit eventually. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what's crazy to me is because... Uh, one of the th- one of the questions in trivia tonight was um, they, they named it was three, a book. Yeah, they named three movies and said, "Was it adapted from a book?" And that was one of them. And my wife and I have read that book, and in reading the book, they did such a good job. Rob Reiner did such a good job of cutting out all the uh, extrane- ex- extraneous uh, yeah, stuff right. to condense it into the movie that it was, like the. The scene in the book, the part where um, the uh, the pit of despair is a lot different than it is in in the movie. Did the book have the R O U S S S? Yep. Okay. <laughs> but the pit of despair was like this huge dungeon that had multiple levels to it, and there were all these monsters that Prince Humperdinck had been collecting over the years, and uh, the I, I can't remember what his oh Wesley had to fight his way through that to get to the princess and stuff like that. So they just did a very good job of cutting out all that stuff and kind of condensing it into what it was on screen. Yeah, that one's timeless. I think I don't think it. I don't think they should ever do another remake or sequel or anything like that. Yeah. All right. Now's the time during the podcast where we talk about uh, any quick things we want to discuss before we stop talking at all. What's going on uh, in the near future? Mm, I mean, we uh, we di- it's been like a couple weeks. We didn't really cover it, but we did do an Oktoberfest recently, and it's still into that season. And uh, yeah, Jesse and I went to Zogel House, a local, um, primi- primarily German style uh, beer house, and experienced some Oktoberfest. It was nice. I wouldn't call it super authentic style, but it was good. I don't yeah. I don't regret going. 
We we weren't there for all the events, uh, and there's other Oktoberfest events going on. Uh, for example, uh, Zorgo House did a uh, Lederhosen and Durndal uh, fashion fashion show uh, at a different time that we weren't there, where they set up a uh, step stool and people got up on the bar and basically did like a runway catwalk style, like by walking down their bar and doing like a you know like the little hip hip flare and pivot and uh kind of uh you know kind of just do like the old you know like the fashion models do on the runway yeah <laughs> and they had a they had an online vote and a crowd crowd applause vote and that that seems fun but you know uh, it's the one time a year that's socially acceptable to uh drink beer from a vessel uh, larger than one's own head um and uh you know not feel bad about that in any way. Yeah, and it's ongoing. Uh, we might participate in some further Oktoberfest events in the near future. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Traditional German beer styles and traditional German pub food. Uh, for me, it's just continuing to be a stay-at-home dad. My son just started soccer, so I'm going to his games. That's fun. Have you shouted angrily at anybody yet? Um, no, I uh, am, uh, let's just say that there is, um, there's enough of that, that I don't need to contribute to it. I didn't say you had to shout at anybody participating in the game. You could always shout oh, at the Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Every morning when I get up, I look in the mirror and I shout angrily at myself. So. I don't know what we're yelling about. Loud noises. So you've never considered... Uh, you know, looking at the appearance from the opposing team and singling one of the, the other fathers out and picking a fight with them? No, no, I single their children out. Oh, and I pick a fight with them. Oh, that's you know, that's actually pretty logical. Actually, <laughs> better success rate. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do have. Uh, uh, I mean, we, we mentioned in a previous podcast, but getting excited about the uh, Blazers uh, basketball yes. season. Uh, yep, I expect. Uh, the season ticket package to arrive in the mail any day now, probably tomorrow or Friday. And uh, next, uh, I don't know, a couple weeks from now, next month, uh, we'll be heading up to the Seattle area to celebrate our uh, fifth wedding anniversary at a McMinimins uh, property. You say we, but you should specify. You've been ma- we've been married for five we, years. We as in uh, the, uh, not the, not the, uh, Present company, we the the me we uh, the, <laughs> the we that involves uh, if uh, if we're in uh, mixed company, uh, I refer to we as as or we would refer to we as our marital. Uh, it's, it's you and my entity. sister. You and my sister is what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, okay. my wife. Yeah, so we'll be heading up to uh, uh, Seattle for. Uh, a couple of nights at a McMinimins property, uh, some wine tasting. Uh, uh, well, I was asked, uh, there's not going to be football that weekend, will there? Well, uh, <laughs> I don't think they're going to put it on hold uh, simply because it's, um, you know, the anniversary of my wedding. Uh, doesn't They don't uh, stop the football season. Uh, so DVRs are for. So uh, probably... Uh, well, shoot, half the football games are over uh, before... Uh, before uh, noon? <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to uh, uh, make uh, 
assumptions, but half, half the football games are over before uh, some people uh, roll out of bed on Sunday morning. So, <laughs> so I should I, sh- I should be good. <laughs> I was going to be offended, then I was like, wait, I don't think he's talking about me. Nope, I don't know what time you get out of bed. Let's stop talking about what you and my sister are doing and then getting out of bed in the morning. Anyway. <laughs> Wine tasting, beer tasting. Misa, uh, feel awkward. Mc, McMenamin's passport uh, work. Uh, yeah. That's good. Oh, speaking of uh, morning football, had you guys uh, heard about the uh, kid uh, from the Iowa State game that held up the the... Handwritten uh, sign asking for beer money. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. Bush Light Supply needs replenishing. Venmo, <laughs> and he put his uh, Venmo name. He got over a million dollars uh, was sent to his Venmo, uh, which uh, he has uh, announced since uh, that he's only going to keep enough money to buy a case of Bush Light and s- donating the rest of the money to a children's hospital that's adjacent to the university stadium and the kids at the children's hospital will always sit out on the uh, grass berm and wave at the players. And, uh, um, so they're donating, uh, he's donating over a million dollars to the children's hospital. Well, that and the fact that Bush light has, is giving him a year's supply of free beers. So. Oh, <laughs> right. I'm thinking we need to do some uh, pointless, uh, you know, stunts in front of a camera sometime. Oh see. yeah, show up at like a parade or uh, or one of those one of those protests. <laughs> Go on. Oh, don't want to talk about that. <laughs> any anything? Any last words from you, Jamie? Uh, the Oktoberfest. Send Disney money. <laughs> need 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 more marathons. <laughs> <laughs> Replenish. Enjoy yourself. We won't tell.